out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. someone you know has a child with autism in their family? Answers and support can be hard to come by. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. We will offer practical information for parents of children of all ages, as well as explore treatment topics and recent research related to autism. Now, here is this week's host. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. I'm the Vice President of Business Development at Autism Spectrum Therapies, as well as a board-certified behavior analyst. Uh, Again, some of you may know me from my previous hosting, as well as from my video blogs that have been uh, going up on on our YouTube page, as well as our website, over uh, a lot of different topics, from insurance to some clinical ideas and some other service ideas that may be helpful. Um, AST is a national agency that provides services and resources to individuals of all ages, who are living with autism spectrum disorders as well as other developmental issues. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, we have two great guests that I'm really excited to talk to. Um, when we were getting ready for the show and planning and prepping, um, I really had this specific thought in mind. Um, you know, our guests today are, are two parents um, of three children on the spectrum. And they're, they're here to talk about their experiences and specifically this, this idea of advocacy and, and the idea of really advocating for yourself and for your child. And this, this one parent really came strongly to mind. Um, I've been practicing uh, ABA for 10 years, and I've worked with kids of all different ages. But I, I have this one client who probably spent about five years with where his mom taught me more about just system, the IEP process, uh, the way state funding works. She's even teaching me now uh, about insurance. Um, I'm, I'm very lucky that I now get to teach her back a little bit uh, and, and kind of return the favor, but, but she really was the one who informed me. You know, I've been very fortunate to be surrounded by some great professionals, both, both here on the East and the West Coast. Um, had some brilliant BCBAs who supervised my work and and collaborated with me in Boston, had uh, equally great BCBAs and professionals here in California. But it was this mom who really taught me about the IEP process and, and, and how to navigate it. I, I thought I knew, and we go through our coursework, and, and any professionals out there, you, you probably know what I'm talking about. You know, I've taken special ed coursework at a graduate level, understanding the laws, understanding the process making sure I knew what a free and appropriate public education was or what the least restrictive environment was. 
but I never really understand understood it until this parent came around. And, and she still to this day has defined what truly making sure your child is in the least restrictive environment means and how to ensure that her child was able to access that environment and the resources and the supports that he needed. Just watching her put it together and learning from her was just really, I think, monumental for me. And I honestly believe it's, it's one of the reasons I've been able to dive into the insurance realm and talk to you guys about these different insurance mandates and these different just things that are going on from a funding standpoint because I think she taught me so much. Um, so for that reason, I'm, I'm excited to talk to our guests today because they too have some, some great experiences, some great knowledge to pass along because they've really navigated this. And, and as they talk about in their book, it's something that they've had to navigate multiple times. And learning from one another is, I think, a big part of what the purpose of this show is. It, it's not just for me to give advice or for me to give guidance, but from all of us to pull from each other, learn from each other's resources. Because the more resources we have, I think the better we can do to advocate uh, for our children. Um, so today we're going to have Melissa Martinez Arefi and Andrew Arefi as our guests. And Melissa and Andrew are the authors of a brand new book. It's called Navigating Autism, The Essential How-To by Parents for Parents. They've been married for 16 years and have three children. Um, the Arefis live here in Los Angeles, pretty close to me actually, and are both professionals in the entertainment industry. Uh, Melissa is a location manager and scout, and Andrew is in project development. Together, they also have worked on writing some feature films, and they wrote this recent book, Navigating Autism, to share their experiences and gained knowledge after their daughter, Kennedy, who is age 10, was diagnosed with autism in 2005. They're still struggling to get assistance with Alex, who also was diagnosed and is age 6, um, and his diagnosis came in 2006. Um, as well as gaining services for their other daughter, Bella, who was diagnosed in 2008 and is seven years old. The referees decided to write their own how-to book to make it easier and quicker for other parents to find their way through the medical and the educational systems. So I'd like to welcome the uh, Mr. and Mrs. Arefi, Melissa and Andrew, to the show. How are you guys doing? Hi, Rob. Thanks. Hi, Rob. Thanks. Great to, great to be here. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, I really, I really like... Um, you know, I got the opportunity to sit and read your book, and you know, one of the things I really like about it is just how um, how easy it was to digest. I really appreciated that everything was in layman's terms. You guys didn't, you know, throw all the jargon at the reader, but really make sure that this was really easy to digest and understand. You know, it's funny. Uh, the the further we got into the system. Um, we were working with our editor, mm-hmm. and he said, you guys need to, you've, you're getting yourself acclimated. You're too acclimated. You've got to bring it back, bring it back. And um, one of the things that we absolutely wanted to make sure it was kind of written in this very conversational style mm-hmm. because uh, as we felt every time we got that diagnosis, you, you're underwater, and then you're thrown into this new world, and you have to try and... Uh, where everybody speaks this kind of Martian language of acronyms. And you have to understand that while you're dealing with this feeling of, of now I, I don't understand what's happened to my child. And, and you're panicked and you're stressed and you can even deal with depression, and, but you still have to function. Yeah, I mean, the first IEP I walked into, I was like, 
Um, are y'all speaking English? Because I don't actually know what anybody's saying in here. So we wanted to make sure that it was more like a conversation and less daunting. Yeah. For for the parent. No, I, th- I think that's great. And, and you, Andrew, your comment about the acronyms, I mean, I, I feel like I live that every day. I'm, yeah. I mean, I, I, being a BCBA and being in the world of ABA, I think we, we probably use the acronym, acronyms as much as anybody. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure you're used to all of those by now. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it's so much so uh, that our, actually our next project is a, a, a parent-to-clinician dictionary, which uh, <laughs> we, we're – <laughs> going to translate all, all this language. It was originally supposed to be part of this book, but it, uh-huh. it became so huge where they were like, oh, you've got to finish this. You've got to get it out. So we broke it off, and it's going to be kind of a separate thing that will be coming out next year. I, I think that's great. I like that a lot. <laughs> um, you know, but, but you, you guys mentioned, you know, uh, having that goal of, of making this really uh, accessible to a parent. Um, but what, what motivated you to write this book, given I – mean, three children, all the different work you're putting in to ensure their program. Um, I guess, how did you have the time and the motivation to write? <laughs> I, honestly, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe I'm a little crazy. Uh, well, what happened is we started getting phone calls from people. Mm-hmm. Like, their child had been diagnosed and they needed help and somebody gave them their number. Mm-hmm. Gave them our number, rather. And so I'd walk a few people through and then we started getting more phone calls. And then more phone... And then it started kind of becoming a game like how on earth did you get my number you live in new jersey you know wow how, how do you know me it's like the six degrees of kevin bacon um and uh so and most of them had the same complaint is there wasn't anything you know there's a lot of empowerment stories out of there there's a lot of you know books that are written about how this is what we did and how we overcame it but when you turn the page to find out how they did it so you can do it too mm-hmm. there was nothing there mm-hmm. yeah I, I think that truly the devil is in the details um, because uh, you need to know you know not only how to talk to these people but it's what you say it's not how you and, and it's how you say it mm-hmm. so we just wanted to give parents the the tools to be able to do it for themselves too, because the more educated parents are out there, the better it will become. Yeah. I mean, we are going to have autistic Americans. Yeah. I mean, you guys, they're a really big population. They're brilliant people. They're in the workforce. And, you know, we're going to have a whole wave in the workforce. And, uh, you know, you better, uh, you know, start with it now. <laughs> Well, I, you know, one of the things, and, and you touched upon it, and my first question when I was starting to read the book is, okay, I know California's system really well, having spent close to nine years here navigating it as a professional, um, but how does this help? Or, or, or is this going to be easily be translated to someone in New Jersey, uh, that parent who calls or a parent who picks up this book? Yeah, um, so um, you it, actually that? it will because, um, ironically, California was – the, the test case. It was the pilot program for this whole thing. Mm. And so where what we've seen, and especially talking with parents throughout the country, is we, uh, you, you see variations on a theme. So in the book, we try to describe, not just give the name of the agencies. Um, we use the California names, but we tell, also tell them what the function of the agency is. So, you know, okay, in, in California, it's called the regional center. Where you this is the function of what it provides. You should be able to um, 
to figure out what the agency is in your state. And uh, fortunately enough, in the back of the book, we provide a tremendous resource where we basically went and looked up every regional center, every occupational therapy, everything to do with uh, special education, autism, and anything related, government service. And they're broken down by county, by state. And we literally spent an entire summer calling every phone number, verifying every website, and it, it's all there for you. So you can easily turn to the back of the book and go, oh, okay, in my state it's this, and continue on. Right, because, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with the IDEA Act. Yep. So the IDEA Act kind of built a framework of what they need to do, of what the basic requirements are, and every state has discretion under that umbrella to do their own thing. Mm-hmm. But it has to fall within the guidelines of the IDEA Act. Right. And um, when Andy was saying that the, te- the first test case was in California, Lanterman, uh, the regional center over here, was actually the one that they pulled from in order to create the IDEA Act. So it, it's, it, it was kind of the template that they used. So surprisingly, it really, they might call, change the names a little bit, but um, the function of what each agency does uh, has relatively stayed the same because they have to stay within the federal framework. That's great. Yeah, so, I mean, although they changed the names kind of weird, like special education in one state is called the Center for Exceptional Learners. Yeah, I saw Not that. Not something you're going to think when you put in the Google search looking for autism, it doesn't come up. <laughs> well, you know, I want to hold that thought for a second because I, I want to talk a little bit more about some of this out-of-state, um, I guess, application. Um, mm-hmm. But we've got to take a quick commercial break. Sure. So okay. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with Andrew and Melissa Reffi. Awesome. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we are committed to supporting families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, creating futures for individuals with autism. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everybody. We're back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm joined by Andrew and Melissa Arefi. Uh, right before the break, we were talking about how your new book, Navigating Autism, the essential how-to by parents for parents. Uh, as although it's a case study for uh, what you guys experience here in California, it really applies to any of the 50 states. And and one of the things I wanted to ask you guys about is you uh, talk about in the book this uh, really interesting application that you uh, used with some of your theories, where um, there was the example of a large company that was based here in California that was moving out of state 
mm-hmm. and you were working with uh, the employees about maintaining their services that they had established here in California and having them transfer over. Right. And I think in today's job market, uh, I unfortunately think that this is a more and more common occurrence. And so I was hoping you guys could maybe expand a little bit on that because I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, well, we were actually contacted um, by the city, Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. and they said that we've got this company that's relocating, but the the employees are concerned because their children, you know, there's a few of them, their children have autism, they're getting services. It's not like you can just pick up and move, you know, and good luck. Uh, yeah. So we researched what you can do in order to move. The, there's, they give them like eight months for that transfer, and they were like, this is what you need to do. Um, so in order to start the process, first, you have to, in the back of our book, we have a thing called NECTAC, which is the National Early Childhood Technical Assistance Center. And what they did is they compiled a list of all of the states and what the, um, what the eligibility requirements are for each state. So even though you'll have an IEP in California and an IEP in Oklahoma, the, the criteria that they use may differ slightly. So um, we told the parents, we're like, before you go, hold, reconvene a new IEP with the people that have worked with your child that know them. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise, you know, they're going to force you to do one when you move. And you really don't want to do that. Your child's going to be waiting for services. They're going to, you know, it's going to take, take 20 calendar days if you're lucky, you know. And um, so you reconvene the IEP and you have it. Um, and then you have it tailored to where it it addresses the criteria in the state to which you are moving to. So that way, when you get to the new state, even if they do want you to do a new IEP, because generally they use the argument, well, the IEP is old, so you have to redo it. Yeah, or, um, or it doesn't meet our state criteria. It doesn't meet our state criteria. Okay, well, you've just taken care of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got a new IEP. It meets the state criteria and their specific eligibility requirements. So, um, and then from that point, we called over and, you know, I talked to their special education department, talked to um, the head of, like, their regional centers and said, you know, these children are going to need, you know, home services. So they redid their IPP evaluations, too, their progress report for the regional centers for home-based services. And uh, so you have a current one of those that's redone, and you take both of those over there. But one of the problems with the other states is that, uh, although they have funding for services, mm-hmm. they have availability for services, what they don't have right now is enough people to administer them. So yeah. they're actually trying to lure people to, you know, therapists and companies to, you know, to, to come to the state in order to provide services for kids. I, I know that all too well. That's, that's somewhat of what happened with us in, uh, in Louisiana. Is yeah. just, they're well, like, so how much will it take to make you relocate? <laughs> Yeah, we, we actually wound up referring to a couple of companies over to them to see if they could set up uh, offices out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's a big part of the problem. I, I know you guys have a long history, and you talk about it in the book with ABA, and there's not enough BCBAs across the country to, to meet demand yeah. of, uh, of the needs of our kids. Well, and part of the problem, too, is, you know, as is, is horrible as it might sound, you can't live way out in the country. I mean, I'm not living in an apartment in the city because I like the lack of privacy. Right. You know, you know, and the great view of somebody's backyard. Um, you know, we're living in the city because this yeah. is where the services are. And, you know, that was actually going to be my next question for you guys is, 
do you have advice for families that are in re- more remote locations? I mean, because you're right. We, we are fortunate that we're here in Los Angeles where there are a lot of resources and a lot of people, but not everyone um, has that option. Have you guys been able to work with families in that way? We have. Um, one of the things that basically we tell them is, you know, you're going to have to evaluate, see what's available, mm-hmm. and if it's going to meet the, um, the, the, the desired goals. Mm-hmm. And if not, you might have to make a short-term sacrifice in, in relocating. Um, and I call it short-term because these first, you know, five years, that window where, where they're very young, it's so important. And yeah. you, you get so much benefit from it that, you know, it, I think it outweighs the, the, you know, the possibility of not doing it. I mean, it, it, it is a tough choice. I mean, yeah. and I know every parent has to deal with tough choices. And, it, and it's hard, too, because, you know, you kind of got to have to stay where your job is as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I kind of got into I mean, I, I'll take any job that comes along. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and, uh, but that was one of the biggest drawbacks. It's like my parents live way out in the country. And if I lived by my parents, it would be I would either have to drive the kids in for therapy or they would have a very limited access to services. Although I know out here, therapists drive, like, way out into Palmdale for North Los Angeles County Regional Center. Yeah. I mean, oh, they're yeah. driving out to places that don't even have addresses right. <laughs> in some cases. Yeah, and, we, we can't say enough nice things about the the BIIs and BCBAs uh, who, who do this amazing work. I mean, they're so – just the sacrifices that they make far above – what, what they get paid. What they get paid. Yeah. It's truly, I, we are blessed um, to have so many people that, that sacrifice that much. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, very, as a one-time BII and, and as a current PCBA, I, I, for all of us, I say thank you. That's, that's really <laughs> nice for you guys because. Um, you, you might be a little crazy, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's. it's but it's the, in a good way. Yeah, I was going to say, it's in a good way. We all kind of. This well, and a, most of you have never forgotten what it's like to be a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you're able to play with these kids and draw them out. And, I mean, Alex didn't talk at all. Yeah. And, you know, now he swears he's going to marry Natalie, who was one of his first therapists. She lives in San Francisco now running a speech clinic. <laughs> I, I, I somehow suspect that his his... Uh, his therapy company did something, because he had a string when he wouldn't talk. He had a string of extremely attractive <laughs> therapists. I, I, I kept wondering, why are these people here? Because how could you, you should look like you should be uh, modeling clothes in New York, not, not working with my child. And uh, he was watching Transformers 2 with his cousins, and uh, he pointed at Megan Fox. He goes, that's my Christina. And his Cousins turn and I look at him like, you have a therapist that looks like that? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, I mean, they've, you know, but they get down on the ground and they play with them and, then you know, playing kickball and we're doing jump rope. And it's, I mean, it's drawn them, it drew them out in a way that never would have happened otherwise. You know, one of the things that, you know, it, focusing on the therapy piece for a second, um, you guys started talking about this in the book, was the, the parent education part or the mm-hmm. tra- parent training parts to the program. And, mm-hmm. you know, that is, at, from the therapist's perspective, that's, that's always the, 
the biggest challenge is, okay, generalization. Oh, yeah, we're the hardest part. Well, and you guys talked a little bit about that, but I was hoping you could share with everyone, was that parent training easy for you to get into right away, or did that take time? I hated it. We resisted. I mean, I was totally resistant. I was like, oh, my God, do I have time for this? Oh, I don't want to sit here and go to class. You guys are telling me stuff that's counterintuitive. And then, and you do. I mean, most parents, you're just, or you feel it's just because you're a bad parent. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, we we definitely, when we started this, we were, we were not on board. We completely thought this was a sham, and it wasn't going to work, and it, it, we, um, we kind of hit that that rock bottom moment when we said, "Okay, we've got to try this because nothing else is working." working. Mm. And um, then we—it's that moment where you really kind of start paying attention and you start understanding, and then you see a little bit of success, and then you really start paying attention a lot. Um, but the one thing that we really want parents to know is that you are absolutely a part of a, ne- a necessary part of the equation. You cannot look at this as like I'm going to drop my kid off, like you're taking them to the mechanic. Mm-hmm. And I'll be back in two hours. Yeah, fix them. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, I do, the parent component really is the hardest part for therapists. Because, I mean, they're not our psychiatrist. They're not a marriage therapist. They're, you know, and they're people that come into your home and they see you at your best and at your worst. Yeah. And, um, and it's a very delicate balance, you know, to maintain some sort of, you know, envi- healthy working environment on top of it all. And, um, but, uh, you know, and the most important advice that I would give to parents is remember they're not doing this because they think you're a bad parent. Mm. You know, don't apologize and say, oh, Junior's not always like that. Well, yes, he is, honey, because if he wasn't, we wouldn't be here. (laughs) You know, it's, um, and they're there to help you, Mm. you know, and they're there to help teach you to do something a different way that will work for your child specifically. It's not that what you were doing wouldn't work for a neurotypical kid, but it won't work for a child with autism. So, you know, you just, I think some parents get combative and they, and you do, you're resistant at first because you're just overwhelmed and you think nothing that you're doing is working and that you're just a horrible parent and these, you know, or some people check out. Yeah. You know, they just kind of, step back and figure that the therapist will fix them and then give them back. And that's not the case. You know, like Andy said, it's not a mechanic. You don't take them to have your kid fixed because the parent training is so, at some point, you are expected to take over. Yeah. (laughs) You know, when it works, you take over and you should still be able to get the same kind of results. Well, you know, when we, I want, we're going to take another break, but I want to talk about some of the things that, as I was reading the book, some really cool ideas you guys came up with that were kind of incorporated the parent training but focused on the generalization in some different community settings and some different environments that I just was really impressed with. So okay. I want to talk a little bit more about that when we come back from this break. Okay. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. 
At AST, we are committed to supporting families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, creating futures for individuals with autism. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, we're back to Autism Spectrum Radio. Uh, I'm joined by Andrew and Melissa Raffi, uh, authors of Navigating Autism. Um, and during the break, we were talking a little bit more about parent training and particularly um, how that rock bottom moment is what really made a difference for the two of you. And, and as I was just listening to you just a minute ago, I was, I was just curious, did you have, um, being that you're in this unique situation of having three children on the spectrum, did you go through a rock bottom moment for each child or was it something that just kind of came all at once within the, just the general environment or the general situation? Um, it... Yes and no. Uh, it, it's 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 kind of a combination of the two. Uh, when Kennedy was diagnosed, uh, we went through, you know, uh, just so much and everything. And then when the others, uh, the other two were diagnosed, it was a little bit easier. Um, by the time Bella was diagnosed, it was yeah. it was just kind of plainly obvious. Right. And uh, we were a little bit better, more equipped. I don't know if we were just numb by that time or, or we're just more equipped to handle the news and understood mm. because I think the problem is that even with all the awareness that we've generated, people still don't understand what an, a child with autism is. I mean, when we heard it, our, our only exposure to it was, uh, was Rain Man, the movie. Yeah. That was it. So we said, oh, there was absolute panic. So we is that what we're in for? You know that. How how do we deal with that? And then, um, you know, and you can imagine just when going through the therapy, and just you know, Kennedy was just practically wild. Uh, she she uh, I would almost describe her like a feral child sometimes, and she and we just became desperate. Mm. And finally, we just tried to incorporate what they were telling us to do. It's, you know, not just saying, no, you can't do that, but giving a replacement and yeah. stuff. And you, uh, we saw some success. It was just, it was one of those moments where you, you just tried something because you were looking for something to do, and it worked. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to give it a try. I have to because my family's at stake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like when I was afraid to leave Kennedy alone with Bella because she would just randomly grab her and bite her. Right. And uh, you know, Bella's an infant, so it's not like she could get away from her. Um, 
you know, and I just remember the day where, you know, I'm trying to keep Kennedy away from Bella. She's gotten into the Paris red lipstick and made a mural out of the wall. And part of me is like, yeah, there could be worse things she could finger paint with, you know. But, uh, you know, I hadn't even been able to get dressed. My hair is on end, and I'm just like, okay, yeah, I need to I need to do this. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it's like, and Kennedy had gone through, uh, six therapists at school um, in a three-month period. Wow. And one lady went to lunch and just never came back. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it, and it, was, it was really because we'd been duped into a substandard the agency. Uh, agency. And you guys talk a lot about that in the book, just yeah. the process that and, you had to um, go through. So that's why we said, you know, these are questions to interview an agency because if they don't know the answers, then be afraid. And, and that's one of the things I really like is these questions to ask. You know, not just the questions to ask the agency, which I think are great questions. Uh, you know, being the person who oftentimes takes some of those phone calls, those are the questions I love to get because it gives me an opportunity to help a family be prepared for what this is going to be. Right. Um, but I love the – actually, as much as I enjoyed the IEP preparation advice and the regional center advice, my favorite part of the book was when you guys were talking about the community and – I could tell you were applying parent strategies because of all the different places you go. Yeah. I mean, the ice skating stuff I thought was fascinating. I loved reading that. (laughs) And I love the questions you recommend parents ask there. Yeah. Um, Well, because, you know, when you say, oh, is it autism friendly? And they say, oh, yeah, sure. I'm like, okay, do you know what that means? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What does that mean to you? (laughs) Um, Because, I mean, we've been kind of trapped in the house for a couple years Mm -hmm. because, you know, uh, while they were doing ABA, it's not like you could go anywhere. When they, when I've got three of them that may have a major meltdown, you know, we could, we didn't get out of the house much. Yeah. And uh, you kind of go get cabin fever, mm-hmm. and uh, and that was one of my big stipulations with ABA. I'm like, I want to be able to leave at some point. I'm like, it doesn't do me any good if they can only do it in a clinic or in the living room. Yeah. I'm like, you know, because they're going to go out into the world. They're going to have a life. I want yeah. them to be able to function to function and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, we started trying to think of unorthodox things that we could do because they're like, you know, because they kept saying, well, she's spinning and she's spinning and, you know, what does that mean? I'm like, well, you know what? I don't know why she does it, but she does. Mm-hmm. It serves a purpose for her. So rather than just trying to make her stop, you know, I'm like, why don't we try to find something that she could do? And we were actually watching. It was the, um, it was like one of the little Mickey Mouse uh, Christmas specials where Minnie and Daisy are ice skaters. Mm-hmm. And she saw that, and she... And, she started and, to emulate it. And she started to emulate it. Wow. And then she saw the Winter Olympics, and she wanted to do that. And so I, we took her down to the rink, and, uh, and now, she can, now they can spin to their heart's content, and it's not weird. Right. <laughs> it's, it's a skill. A... <laughs> Uh, I'm like, if you can spin without throwing up on ice, you're good. <laughs> well, I love that also it's, and you touch again on this, it's exercise too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's physical activity, and I think that that's something that, yeah, I can speak for my own my own field. I think sometimes we forget that, that we got to get these kids moving around and get some energy out. and because Yeah, because kids. a lot of them have been just, they're, made to sit in little corners all the time. Right, exactly. And I'm like, okay, that would drive me nuts, too. I'd have to get out and run around. There was a point uh, last year where Kennedy was really 
just having trouble focusing in school, and she really couldn't. Uh, it was, and it was all she we couldn't noticed. Calm down. She couldn't calm down. It was always in the morning. She had too much, and she couldn't focus. And uh, so I, I volunteered. Uh, yeah, because so. I'm not getting up that early. <laughs> and uh, she was down at the rink uh, at five o'clock in the morning wow. for a skating session, and all almost we chart her her behavior reports. Her teacher sends home very detailed. Um, and you saw, I mean, I graphed it out. You literally could see the improvement. The spike the, of the, improvement. The, there was no, wow. but it wasn't the yo-yo effect that you usually see, and sure. it, it started to level out. You have the occasional hiccup here and there, but... Although, you know, it's funny because generally she's such a morning person. She's like, the birds are singing, the sun is shining. You know, but 5 o'clock at the rink, all these little, you know, pre-Olympic ice skaters are like, good morning, Kennedy. She's like, what's the matter with you? The sun's not up. It's not morning yet. <laughs> yeah, in her mind, it was officially not morning because it was still dark. <laughs> and uh, But, you know, I took that idea from a mom whose son had had the same problem, and they medicated him, and it made him sick. And, you know, he, he cried when he had to take the medication. So uh, she hired a personal trainer and runs him up and down the beach in Malibu every morning. And I'm like, well, did you go run with him? She goes, heck no. I sat in my car with my coffee, and I waved at him as he ran by. <laughs> and uh, he actually qualified for track scholarship. Wow. Yeah. So I, I think the point that we wanted to bring home to parents is that, yes, there is medication out there, mm-hmm. and it is an option, but there are other options, too. So, yeah. let's, uh, you know, things like martial arts. I don't know why that uh, the, the dojo that uh, Kennedy went to and, and, the other ki- and Alex and Bella as well, uh, they just really responded to the structure and the hierarchy of the belts and the mm-hmm. and just everything with a huge class, completely neurotypical kids, and they blended. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it and there's actually quite watch. a few that take up take martial arts now. I, you know, and, and you guys have been doing it this this whole show so far. But and you know, one of the things I really liked about the book, and you know, and you touched a little bit upon the medication. Like some of these are like relatively controversial topic. You know, people have a lot of emotion that go with it. You talk yeah. about medication. You guys talked about the, uh, the gluten-casein-free diet. Um, even yeah. some of the stuff about, you know, like I, I actually know um, Rethink Autism and, and the folks behind it pretty well, and you guys gave a good, honest opinion from, from your perspective there as well. And, like, I appreciated that. I, I don't always know if sometimes you feel like people kind of give you the, let me give you this side, let me give you that side. Let me couch my uh, response. Sure. You know, we wanted to put information out there. And, you know, we can tell you what we think, but ultimately really what's important is what you think, what you, you, the parent. I can tell you what worked for me, but I can't guarantee it will work for you. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really up to you to make the decision. All I can do is arm you with information. And, you know, and tell you what questions that you should be asking. And I think that's, that reinforces the idea of, which I think you say multiple times in the book, you are your child's number one advocate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not the experts. We're the experts giving data and facts and information, but you are the one at the IEP who's going to stand up for your child's needs right. and rights. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing that I like and, and why I do this show is so it starts like a dialogue. Okay, yeah. you disagree with me. No worries. That's, that's fine. Let's talk a little bit about maybe why I feel my way and why you feel your way. And it's okay to say this is right for me and my child versus what was right for you and your child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I think you guys really do a great job of messaging that. 
Yeah, it's just I think some of it too is just you know even with the exercise since so much physical exercises have been cut out of our lives and in school. Yeah. I mean, do you remember as a kid, your parents would kick you outside, say 15 minutes after the street lights come on, you get you get to get home. Yep. You know you can't do that these days. No. You have to make appointments and play dates. My father didn't even know what a play date was. I had to. That's why I had to put the footnote in the book saying, yeah. you know, yeah. for my father, a play date is an appointment. Says- Born before 1960, this is what a play date is. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but, you know, you have to make a concentrated effort to get that physical exercise because any kid is going to go nuts if they don't get enough. Well, and think- even more so with a child with autism who's already hyperactive to begin with. And, and to balance out that point, I think another good thing you guys mentioned is that balance of, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm a, a different generation than our kids, so, I'm with you. I, I ran around the schoolyard and I ran around the streets and, you know, you'd have pickup football games and mm-hmm. uh, soccer games. Um, but today's kids, there is that video game culture, too. Yeah. And I, I liked the way you described just from, again, your own personal experiences. You know, we were reluctant to have the kids play the games, but this is how kids socialize, so they need some exposure to that as well. Sure. Right. And that so that's cool why we're balance. trying to pick games that, you know, sports that have an individual um, element mm-hmm. within a team. So Alex, you know, because he can't read body language on Little League. Right. You know, the, you catch roll. the ball. Do you throw it a second or do you throw it a home? Right. You know, not very many people have that instinct, and autistic autistic kids a little less so. Mm-hmm. But with ice skating, he knows exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, with swimming, with track, with horseback riding, he's good at archery. You know, I'm like. There's a lot of stuff. I, I think we kind of get hung up sometimes on stuff that, that we think that they should do well, as, as opposed to what they, you know, what they can do. As parents, I think we all have this romanticized uh, idea in our heads that of what our, we're going to do with our kid. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably one of the biggest sources of uh, resistance and, and, and problems for parents is because they don't want to let that go. Because that means they're now basically mourning the loss of the child that they thought that they had. And they have to rediscover the child that, that is here. And, and now that's, uh, you know, when you get past that, then you, you move on to some really great things. Well, now, you know, I'm, we're going to take one last commercial break, um, but there's a quote you in your book that I think carries that thought on a little bit more, and I really loved, and it was a quote I wrote down of make sure to ask you guys about Okay. So when we come back, I'm going to start pick up there. We'll be right back. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we are committed to supporting families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. 
Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, creating futures for individuals with autism. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, guys. We're back to Autism Spectrum Radio. We've got a little bit more time with our guests, Andrew and Melissa Arefi. Um, and right before the break, I, w- I was mentioning a quote that was in your book that I really loved. Um, and the quote was, autism is, is an explanation, not an excuse. And I just, there was something about that that just really resonated with me as a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I, I thought of it when you guys were just speaking before the break about the, the, the potential, the possibility that we may need to redefine certain ideas and goals, mm-hmm. but that sure. doesn't mean we can't have ideas and hopes and goals. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Um, um, our friend Stephen Cap actually told us that. Yeah, because I wanted him, uh, Stephen is a Ph.D. student, mm-hmm. and he is 26 now, I think, mm-hmm. uh, at UCLA, mm-hmm. um, is autistic, and is one of the most amazing people, and until we met him, it was, for me... Um, when we sat down and did an interview with him in a park, uh, it was a glimpse of glimmer of hope uh, for the future mm-hmm. um, because he made it. And not only did he make it, he made it at a time where there really was nothing. Yeah. So, and we wanted to ask him the con- to put that quote in context. It's like, what is your message, you know, to the other kids that are dealing with this out there? You know, what What would you say to them? And he was very surprised. He's like, no one has ever asked me. You know, everyone's always asked me about parents. You know, what would they say to parents? But he's like, no one's ever asked me about the kids. And that was his message was, you know. Yeah, it's an explanation, not an excuse. And don't ever confuse disability with inability. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and he actually put it into context for us on, like, the stuff that the kids are dealing with. When he's like, you know, we're sitting here having this conversation, he's like, and you're able to focus on me. He's like, I cannot filter out irrelevant data. He's like, the guy over there setting up the sound, you know, the, mm. the sound system, the woman with the shopping cart, the squeaky wheel in the shopping cart, and the guy over there with the blower, and the car over there, he goes, it's all coming at me with equal clarity. And uh, I was like, wow, that, yeah, I can imagine why that would, um, yeah, drive you a little crazy. You know, would be a little overwhelming at, at times, and um, and and that's just I think that typically parents believed that their children were doomed if they had the uh, diagnosis of autism. You know, like they're always going to be in, you know, in some sort of assistance, mm-hmm. and or you know, my kid's going to have to you know be in a group home. And Andy and I actually wrote an article on our website saying. You know, what if a group home is in your kid's future? You're, you're looking at it as a patient, not as a parent. I'm like, your questions are the same. Your kid is leaving home. Can he survive without me? 
Mm-hmm. You know, can he survive without mom and dad? I'm like, every parent has that question. You know, you know, and this is what you do in order in order to deal with it. And it's just as much separation anxiety for you as it is for them. Um, and, uh, but, you know, yeah, it's just our kids are able to, to do tons of stuff that... We never thought that they could. Yeah. Just because we let them try. And that's I think I think that's a great way of looking at it. That and it's so basic. We let them try. We, yeah. We took that we took that risk. I mean, because most times parents assume that you can't that they can't. Right. And, and I think they might surprise you. <laughs> In fact, they probably will. Success and failure, I think, are two things that are can be very troublesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, failure is it's kind of obvious, and it's more our fear of them failing. But success can sometimes be more painful as well because. It, sometimes it gives us that glimmer or that peek inside the window of, of normalcy. and You get greedy. You get very greedy for it. And it, when it goes away, it hurts. And yeah. so sometimes you're afraid to let them try because if they succeed and then it goes away, that's gonna you, you, subconsciously you're kind of thinking that. It's going to hurt me more. Well, I, I, I think that's a great point to, to kind of end on and, I just want to thank you guys for for being my guest today. Um, you, the thing that that I'm most impressed with, uh, speaking to both of you and and reading your book as well, is just is just your candor, just these these honest stories, these the tough conversations, the tough dialogue that you guys didn't run away from. Um, the, you know, I've, I had a bunch of other questions. I even thought about talking about uh, if we had more time about just some of your personal experiences, and, and sure. they weren't always easy. And you guys go into great detail and honesty about some of those things. So um, just thank you both. Thank you for, for the book. Thank you for joining me. Yes. Thanks for um, having us. It was great to have um, you. We actually do have our website, which is navautism.com okay. as and well, and I do actually answer questions from parents. And, and right now we put up a uh, – there's a microphone, a radio microphone on the upper top of the page. If you click on that, uh, everybody will get a 30% discount. Awesome. And is that the best way for if anyone's interested in purchasing the book? Is yeah, the they can to go, go to, to navautism.com or it's also on amazon.com. Awesome. And again, for everyone out there, it's Navigating Autism, the essential how-to by parents for parents. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Thank Rob. you. Thank you, Rob. You know, everyone, uh, in these last few moments, uh, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about it. We've talked about advocacy and advocating for your child. And again, in, the thing I'm taking away from today is not just that advocacy, but the honesty. Um, you know, one of the things that I know I've often told families who I've worked with when preparing for an IEP with their school or an IPP with their regional center or whomever is be honest, be upfront, share with what's really on, on your mind, in your head, um, because maybe the school isn't aware of what you're thinking. Um, and I think, you know, our two guests today really do a great job of articulating this stuff further as being honest with one another, sharing information, sharing these resources to make sure that everyone has the information because you know, one of the things that they talk a little bit about in the book is, is how they collaborate with different service providers. Um, you know, one thing that we didn't talk about in the interview but I thought was interesting was how great their kids did at ice skating and how some of the different providers uh, needed to see it for themselves. And that led to this whole other dialogue and this whole other conversation that maybe wouldn't have happened otherwise if there wasn't um, that honest back and forth between the team. And I think that's something that 
it's easy to lose sight of. It's easy to get wrapped up into uh, all of the needs and all of the challenges and all the struggles. But something that really goes a long way is that honest communication, because I think we can achieve so much more from a support for our kids, from a programming for our kids, you name it. Um, so with that, those of you who are uh, still out there looking for other resources, looking for other information, uh, we're halfway through the month of October, and I uh, just want to throw a quick plug out for Autism Speaks, uh, the walk that they've been doing all across the country. Uh, they tend to do a lot in the month of October. I know there's a few coming up this weekend all across the country as well as the following weekend. Um, I know I mentioned Louisiana and the fact that we have a, an office out there, but uh, we will be at that walk. It's August 28th um, in New Orleans. Um, you can go to the Autism Speaks website and click on the link for their walks and get the specific details. But if you're in the New Orleans area and want to come out there, uh, please say hello. I'll be there myself, actually, uh, just talking to families and, and trying to spread the word about different resources and supports. Um, for other types of information, I know our guests talked about their website. They have some good information there that I think will be really helpful to a lot of you out there. Again, their website is navautism.com. Uh, you always have our website to turn to, autismtherapies.com. Uh, we are about to post a couple of new video blogs. Um, I just actually recorded a few back-to-back uh, because -back I had a lot to share. Um, one of them that just got posted for folks in California is the, some updates about the California insurance mandate, which is important for a lot of families out there, particularly families who may have CalPERS or healthy families as an insurance. So please check that out. It's on our website or as, well, as well as our YouTube page. Um, we will be back next week with another show and another set of guests. I really appreciate you joining me. Hope you have a great week, and we'll talk to you all later. Take care. We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join us for another edition next week.